Glenn actually auditioned for Bim Scala Bim when I left. And then Chris Rhodes beat him out. Damn. And then on the on the second gig, on the second gig with Bim Scala Bim, Dickie and and Joe Gittleman show up to the show and they're like, great. And they said they went right up to Chris. They're like, yo, you're in the Boston's. <laughs> and and of course, Rhodes said, Yeah, of course I'm in the Boston's. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Horn Pod. I am Matt Wixon and I am not joined by JJ Lloyd. This is a little bit of a solo mission for me this time and it was a lot of fun because I got to spend time with original members of one of my original favorite ska bands, Pilfers. Uh, I'm talking about Cooley Ranks, singer of Pilfers, who has been a guest twice before, uh, as well as co-vocalist, co-lead vocalist, songwriter, trombone player, Vinnie Nobile, and guitarist, songwriter, Nick Bacon. So three original members, they got together because they're celebrating the fact that Chihuahua Lang has hit streaming for the first time ever. Uh, the rights got sorted with that so that we can finally enjoy that on playlists and all of that. Um, you'll hear more about that shortly. Um, and we're also just talking about the origins of the band, the future of the band since all of these original members are now back together uh there's a lot to celebrate and so they chose horn pod to come celebrate and i'm grateful as a very long time fan more than half my life i've been listening to pilfers and now i get to introduce this conversation i got to have with them which was as a fan a huge delight No gotcha questions. None of that. Uh, we saved all those for the earlier episodes Cooley was on. <laughs> cool. Uh, although, how was your 2023? Really good. Um, besides doing a few shows with the Pilfers, um, I resurrected one of my other bands, Chenzo, mm-hmm. and we recorded a whole bunch. And um, you just gave fun. you gave Jeff and I a tune for Still Stubborn. Oh yeah, there you go. So that was fun. I think we did one for the Stubborn and also the Bim for the Bim Bam. Club. Yeah, the Bim Bam Boom. I didn't need to get into this so soon. How is it seeing Bim Scala Bim covered by the entire world of ska? <laughs> it, I tell you, it, it's flattering in so many ways. It's really an amazing thing. I think. Um, the, the, the response from it was, I was just like, whoa, um, really cool. I mean, very, very flattering. I mean, and all of, all of the versions were just like so cool and original and they just took something and, and just went with it. And they did it. So many bands just did it completely opposite. I think the, the, the cover that Chenzo did, which was one of my tunes, yeah and i was never really happy the way it came out and the energy of it so i was like yo we we got to put the pedal to the metal on this and like redo it the way i heard it to begin with because at that point when i wrote that song um you know i i was i just wanted bim to be a little bit more edgier 
you know, and and that's kind of the story of how me and Cooley got together. There was I was I was looking for something edgier. I wanted I just needed some fresh blood. And Cooley and I had been we kept meeting up at these toaster Bim Scala Bim gigs, and we'd always get into these great conversations, you know. And uh, right on, you know, right before the show, after the show, um, we just had this great connection. Am I am I correct, sir Cooley? <laughs> I'm gonna let you tell a story. I've talked too much. Yeah, man. And um, <laughs> no, it, it's great. And and we just we, we was always exchanging musical philosophies and where we wanted to go, and the type of songs we wanted to write, and the and the people who we wanted to make the music with, and you know, it's thoughts become things. It's like we we met, and then we wouldn't see each other for a couple of months, and then we met again. And then we had some friends in common that were saying, hey, you guys could form an amazing band, you know, and, and I started to think, all right, well, this is like maybe time to jump ship and, and try something new. And that's what I did. I, I was done with Boston pretty much. And um, I, I, I always loved BIM, but I just wanted to explore something new, something a little heavier, a little edgier. And, um, you know, I started driving down to New York on some weekends that we had off and Cooley and I would hang out in his apartment on St. John Street. Right. Remember that place, Cooley? Yeah, my beautiful apartment. That was beautiful. <laughs> and, and Park Slope. Yeah. And um, and we just got together and we just kept exchanging ideas. And then I moved to New York and I got this great studio. Uh, it was called Sub 2H. Mm -hmm. And uh, I shared it with uh, Iggy Pop's band, and um, and right across the hallway, the Beastie Boys rehearsed, and Sonic Youth was down the hallway. I mean, it was amazing Wait. building. And Moby lived uh, in a in a um, on the top floor, like in a loft. Were you running into these people then, just on the regular? Yeah, and yeah, I mean, like I'd, wow. I'd see um, I'd see Ad Rock hanging out on the front steps with his skateboard all the time and we just nod to each other i didn't make a big deal about you know seeing them or anything but um i remember like walking down for rehearsal one night and i heard them rehearsing um uh sabotage i was like whoa listen to that's a fucking beastie boys you know um so it, i mean it was cool and you know so i got that that place and i set up um a little recording studio and that's when we kind of really started saying okay let's put this thing together. And then we found Anna, uh, James was always there. And then we put in a an ad in the village voice for a guitar player. Cooley, do you remember this? So we're down in this rehearsal space, I do remember. right? And, and, and like five guys, you know, called us up. This is back in the day, no cell phones, you know, this is like put a small little ad in, in the, in the, in the village voice and, 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 out of one of those five people, <laughs> first dude comes down. He's like taking like, I don't know, 10 minutes to tune his guitar. And I just said, I'm sorry, dude, you can't be in the band. He's like, what? I haven't even played a note yet. I'm like, you can't tune freaking guitar. If it takes you that long to tune your guitar, you can't be in this band, you know? Yeah, and it's or, not going to cut it. Next, next dude comes down. He starts playing. We're like, yeah, he's pretty good. He's like, he's like, look, I really know I, I suck, but I just wanted to meet you and Cooley. <laughs> wow. So that was kind of cool, right? Remember that dude? And then there was this other dude 
who comes in. Who is he? We got to do we know who that guy is? Oh, I don't know, but he was really super, super sweet guy. You know, he's just like, he's like, man, I was just more interested in coming down to meet you guys. All right. Well, so, I'm going to take uh, out a small ad in the village voice and try to find <laughs> this guy. Yep. <laughs> that would be funny. And, um, <laughs> And so then this other dude shows up and he rips it. I was like, I was like, so the court changes are, he's like, he just waved me off. He's like, I know the court changes. Mm -hmm. And he just rips into um, hypnotized. And um, we were like, holy shit. Remember that dude, Cooley? Yeah, I remember him. He was brilliant. Yep. Yeah, he was brilliant, man. He just sat down and just ripped through the stuff. And we we're like, oh my God. And I said, you know, we said, we're really interested in you, like right on the, right on the spot. And he said, oh, I don't know. Let me think about it. And so he walked away. And then in comes Nick Bacon. Big, uh, you know, he comes down. He's very excited. And, you know, he just had the look. And I'm like, I don't care if that other guy smokes this guy. I just like Nick Bacon's <laughs> look. He was had that skate punk thing going on. And I was like, yeah, man, you know, we, I, and I think that we could work with him, i.e. mold him <laughs> yeah. into what we wanted. I had recently left the band front with my brother and I really wanted to get more into playing like reggae and ska. I was like so into ska. So I saw this ad that it said, you know, ex-members of Bim Scala Bim and Toasters. And I was like, oh, my God. And then I found out it was Vinny and I was like. I had just picked up Destruction by Definition by Suicide Machines, and I yeah. love that record. And I was like, that's the guy on, you know, <laughs> on Hey, oh my God. <laughs> and I was like so starstruck, and like, and I knew Cooley too from uh, obviously the Toasters. And Did you have something in mind that their music was going to sound like? And uh, how did it hit your ears when you found out what they were talking about? Well, they, they gave me songs to learn, which were already written. It, oh. with like a three three piece horn section gotcha. and um and it was called root by association and it was like more of a a third wave ska band you know with the third wave lineup you know three horns guitar bass drums and vocals and um they kind of i don't know they can speak to this better than me but i think well i i just said if if there's going to be a horn player on stage he has to be as good or better than me because I'm, <laughs> I'm not sharing the stage with with just some you know little rinky dink sax player who was in a ska band. If we're going to be um, a touring unit, let's let's cut it down to minimal people and we'll survive and we'll make yep. some money and we and and that's the way we kind of form the band. And, so just and, yes. Well, the the one trombone is definitely put pilfers in their own lane. I mean, one horn in general at that time was was pretty unusual. Uh, but like the one trombone puts you in your own lane where like having another having a horn section in this band, I think, would have washed out how special this was a little bit. Yeah. It was really great for me, too, because then in a way, the guitar became more of a focus and they wanted to play heavier music that they didn't get to play in their other bands. And, you know, I was like heavy music. Oh, you know, I love. <laughs> New York hardcore, bad brains, punk rock, you know, even some metal, you know, not not crazy metalhead or anything, but yeah. just like I was like, okay, I know how to, you know, turn it up and you know, get some get a good distortion sound and you know, rip. You want you and, want those vibes? I got those vibes. I got I got this. It's in the back <laughs> pocket. So um 
you know, it became more of like a power trio with with a lead. The lead instrument was the trombone. Like we were James, Anna and I were like the rhythm section. And then you had the lead instrument, the trombone and then Cooley doing his thing, you know. So it was like this kind of magic once in a lifetime recipe, really. Um, it was Absolutely. really it, it kind of like it was like the special thing, like the songs. There was a couple songs that we kept, but they got reworked. But I just remember, and I don't mean to, again, like, you know, say, oh, it was all about the guitar or anything like that. Of course not. But I remember playing this riff that I, I had just maybe on the first time we got together all as a band. I think you guys were like, oh, let's try this, Nick. We'll see. how You know, and, and James and Anna were already there. And I started playing this riff, which was Roller Coaster. And then Cooley started bouncing off the wall, like just freestyling, chatting, coming up with the melodies, the exact melodies that you hear on the record. And, you know, it was kind of like instant, you know, lightning in a bottle where it was like all the pieces. If It felt at least for me, maybe these guys, they were way more experienced musicians than me. But for me, being kind of like wet behind the ears, green, you know, still working on my uh, chops. It was like a special moment. And, you know, I, I cherish that, you know, if I could go back in a little time machine, that would be probably the spot I'd want to go for, for one of the magic moments of my life right there, you know, in that practice space, sub yeah. 2H. I mean, Nick, that's the way we picked you, man. You had the chops. The only thing you needed to work on was, the, you know, the this, the skanking part. This, you know, the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and here's I, was, lesson, I, kids. I used to yell at you in the beginning, you know, first few minutes around. ago. Keep your fucking keep your feet on the ground and just keep time, <laughs> yeah. damn it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. But hey, but you got your shit together, man. You got your shit together. You we all everybody in the band like took a, a huge leap forward in their musicianship, I think. And and working together as a unit was really you know, we we all started, you know, a whole new chapter because I was I, I wrote some songs in BIM, but I wasn't the main songwriter. But it seemed like every song I wrote was everybody's favorite on on each record. I would pitch in like two songs <laughs> and those would be the two. I've got to assume that you're me. you're credited as the songwriter for Good Dog Scott, I assume. That's me. Yes, that's that's, me. that's my favorite BIM <laughs> Skyla BIM song. Yeah, which was actually oh, there. You go, everybody's. I, I was I was influenced by. Um, I, I used to play in this Haitian band when I when I first got out of college. Um, I played in a, a Haitian band called Volo Volo, and uh, Haitian compa um, compa with a K. Um, it, it kind of was like reggae and calypso mixed together, you know. Okay. And it was kind of like cumbia and reggae and and calypso. But it had these really cool horn lines, and it was kind of like bebop over like calypso, you know. But okay. had a lot of nice, beautiful melodic yeah. lines, and I just remember there was one tune, and I just started playing the Good Talk Sky one day, and I was just like thinking about the vibe of that Haitian band, and bleh, out came Good Talk Sky. And also the uh, Smoke and Mirrors sound system cover on the Bim Bam Boom tribute compilation is one of my favorite songs on the compilation because i think they 
they they took it like straight to a Jamaican style. Like they made it sound like the Scatolites. And was that um Buford Sullivan? Did... Yeah, I think he might have played lead on it. Buford, man. If I had to name my top three, I would say Chris Rhodes, Glenn Pine, and Buford. Those are the three that I, you know, hold up and and you know consider some of the top guys on bone no doubt. i mean if i was making a list of four it would be those three and you so i guess that makes sense <laughs> all right happy, happy to be in that category and um and so we just worked out in the studio as often as often as possible this place called sub 2h which is like a sauna in the summer and then like in the winter months it was like ice station zebra you know freaking freezing and you know, we kept, I think it was a five song demo and we did Jolly, mm -hmm. Hypnotized, Roller mm -hmm. Coaster, Shits mm -hmm. Up in the Air, mm -hmm. and then um, Saga. Mm -hmm. And that was our, like our demo tape. Mm -hmm. And and we, were, and we were pretty solid. And Cooley was always saying, it's about the vibes. It's about the vibes. You know, let go of the freaking chords and all the technical crap. Let's vibe together. And that really brought us all together. That was like the mindset that we have. It's just like, let's vibe together. Let's groove together. And we just let everything hang out. And it worked. And it worked really well. I mean, I have to admit, we did... Our first show was at the Cooler in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Do you remember who else was on the bill? Metro Styley on it? No, it was Beat Brigade. It was their show, actually. And we opened up for them. Oh, that's right. Holy shit. Beat Brigade. Mm -hmm. And we had this awesome show. He wasn't and even was... told how much we were going to get paid, right? So the owner just came to us and gave us $500 at the end of the night, which was fucking... Mm -hmm. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. yeah, I know. And I just knew right there, it was like... Okay, something special is going on here. You know, we got me and Cooley, you know, Dynamos in the ska scene, and we are backed up by Skinner Box drummer, Skinner Box bass player, who's insanely talented, Anna. Um, yeah. Studied with the, the great um, jazz Ron Carter. Um, she, she was studying with him for a while, which is really impressive. If, if you're studying with Ron Carter, you got chops. You are um, an amazing musician, no doubt. And then Nick, who was just, you know, learning, but he had the chops. We just had to get him into, you know, the, the groove of ska. And, you know, because he had that nice punk thing going on. And, um, yeah, man, well, it's a little bit of history right there. <laughs> so I'm going to go back to, nine, the, like, let's say 1996. Uh, Toasters and Bim are on some gig somewhere. Uh, and the two of you are bonding over some kind of life philosophy or outlook on music. What are, what are you guys talking about? Like, what, what is it that you guys have in common that everybody was saying, you guys got to work together? I think that the commonality is um, that we're both frontmen. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you're both and, obviously natural frontmen. Right. So I think the, the commonality is that we're both frontmen. And... Um, explosive exactly um, I'm, I'm going to use the word explosive because um there's always like this this uh batman and robin superman <laughs> and fucking hercules going up on on the stage you know what i'm saying it's it's it's, it's a it's a it's a battle on the stage but it's 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 not it's not enemies it's fucking just yeah it's just like the dynamic duel man 
And you know what? And it hasn't changed in what, 30 years. Yeah. Right. I mean, really, man. I mean, we played a show. What was it? A month, a month and a half ago, two months ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I could swear it was like our, our, our second or third gig. I mean, we were just locked in. It was it was beautiful, man. I had such a good time. I always have a good time on stage <laughs> with my man, Mr. Ranks. That is for sure. Facts, facts. So, yeah. like, obviously, in the uh, the last decade or two, Pilfers has toured with a slightly different lineup, and you've had a a handful of killer trombone players on the road with you. Yeah. What is it? What's different about having Vinny on stage next to you? Does it is it like an yeah. amplification thing? Like, I can I can tell you, I can tell you right now, there's only one Vinny. <laughs> I mean, I've got um, ears. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me break it down. Um, yes, I have toured with some amazing uh, trombone players. Vinny is Vinny is wireless for a reason. Now, most trombone players that I've that I have worked with, great trombone players, but try try cutting that cable. Who would they yeah. be if you cut that cable? Yeah, you got to move. That's why I say there's only one 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 Vinny. You can you can cut that cable of the trombone, then who will that trombone player player be? Exactly. Thank you, Mr. Ranks. Oh, it's, <laughs> right. it's a but, fact. I mean, and that was the magic of the pilfers. Um, my life changed a little bit. You know, I met this wonderful woman and had two beautiful children. So, like, I'm in the midst of that, and so that's what you do at one point in your life. You you dedicate your life to your kids. And so that kind of cut me out of the road. Sure. And, you know, that's that's what you got to do. And that's how, you know, life changes your your musician part of your life. You know, now. All right. I'm still doing music. And and what's funny, I teach this group. It's like 18 months to three years old. And I start playing like coming around the mountain on the guitar and they start a circle pit. I swear to God, these little kids are running around <laughs> in a circle, and I'm like looking at them, like, I, like this is like this is like being at a pie taster show when they start going around on Maggie May, you know. Only I'm playing coming yeah. around the mountains, so you know life comes full circle. <laughs> you know? But uh, back to the that's a lovely. Back, that's back to the music though, that's for sure. So how how was it how was it for you to find out that you were doing, uh, Chawala Lang? for Mojo, which was part of Universal, I believe, at the time, right? Cooley, you can talk more about that. Um, it was a long fucking road, to be honest with you. It was, it's, it's, a, it's a road of where do you want to go? And really not knowing where, you're, where you want to go. Where you want to go is different from where you should go. Mm. I I remember when you know all was said and done, and then they had this uh this dinner for us, this this dinner for for us, and there's all these uh um, industry people at the at the at the dinner eating stuff. This is all for you. None of the shit that I eat. How could it? How can, <laughs> <laughs> how can this shit be for me? And you don't even know what I eat. None of this shit here I eat. You know? Yeah. Um, 
I was like, what the fuck it's is this? metaphor. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and it was that, that moment, you know, I sat there on this, at this table. I think it was at some restaurant they had. And I was like, this shit sucks. This, is, this isn't, you know, I was like, we're here now. You know, I was I like, <clears throat> all of the work and everything that we did, I said, now we're here. Um, didn't know where I wanted to go after this. Like sitting on that table, didn't know where I wanted to go. It was so, kind, kind, kind of kind of bittersweet. Like, oh, this yeah. this is this is my world now, huh? Yeah, this is it now. So, but that wasn't that wasn't the reason why we left. But I mean, might as well. It, that wasn't the reason, but it was it was like there was there was so many different people coming at us at the same time, and oh, we want to sign you. Oh, we want to sign you. Um. And I felt this label was was going to be a great label. Well, they already had they already had real big fish and Goldfinger, and so like they they should know what to do with you, right? Right, but they didn't. They dropped the fucking ball. They dropped the ball, and then I mean, I understand what happened, but it didn't serve a purpose for for us, you know. The um the person that was doing radio was pregnant, so she left. Of course, she has she has a responsibility to her family and to her child. But it didn't do anything for us. It's just like that's it. They they weren't doing anything. Yeah. Didn't they? They also delayed the release of the record. I think that yeah. was a big factor too, right? Like, yeah. and Agua didn't yeah. come out until like 2000. You know, like exactly, exactly. It was a the lot. The record of shit. could have come out early, earlier. You know. Yeah. Yeah. We were killing it on college radio. They, they did they did something good as they they did hit the colleges but that was us too doing all that work before you know right exactly we were doing we, we were up that. on the charts i thought we were like like number three added new band or something I, there was, we were way up on the added to college radio and that aspect i didn't know anything about i didn't know anything about radio stuff i wasn't checking that all i know is i was doing promos like station ids and stuff like that i did that yeah but, I didn't know yeah. what the, the charts was doing. I didn't know anything about that. Yeah. And do you remember that? Do you remember that time we went to? Um, it was Indianapolis, and as we were driving into town, they played Ottawa yeah. on some huge that rock station, <laughs> and we're like, "Fuck, we made it!" And we jump out of the van, and there's a freaking line down the street to get in the club. We were freaking rock stars. We we're like, "Yeah, man, we're fucking gonna make it," you know. And then we got home, and Randy calls us up. Uh, yo, Universal dropped you guys. No, that's not what happened. <laughs> you no, know? that's not what happened. Well, I thought that was no. Fun. That's not what happened. Wasn't it? Mm -hmm. What happened? Randy said, "Let's get the fuck off this label." I thought they dropped us too at the same didn't time. Like that it didn't happen. Like that it didn't happen. Like that they weren't doing the promotion what they was that which they said they was going to do. They didn't fulfill their part yeah. of the bargain. So Randy was going at them. He was going at them hard, and he was like, "Yo, let's get the fuck up this label." Yep. You know, because they weren't doing what they. And of course, they were supposed to do, but they did. What? So what? What we heard was that we weren't on the label anymore. But that's what was the intention. <laughs> it wasn't like, "Oh, they All dropped right. us." No, it was like, "Let's get the fuck off this label." All right, that was hidden to me. I didn't have enough knowledge about how to select a label. And how to select a deal. There was no telling at that point. No. Really. There was just no way. But I mean, if I had a mentor, you were get treated like if right. I had someone that knew the industry or who was in the business who could have given me some advice on how to select. And the best deal wasn't the money deal, it was the points deal, which I know now, but didn't know that then. 
tapes, but we never got any money anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the money went to the producer, it went to the production, and all of that shit. Yeah, it didn't go to it didn't go to us. It went to it went to the producer and the studios and all this other shit. Right. But what we did, do- every everybody got like a, a little toy. Like James got a couple of snare drums, Anna got a new bass cabinet. Nick, I think you got a guitar or an amp, and you got a wireless microphone. And what the fuck did I get? I, I didn't get a trombone, that's for sure. <laughs> so, the, so the so the industry experience wasn't great. No, no it, I'm not saying. Listen, no. listen, I'm not saying it wasn't great, bro. It was, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't what exactly what we expected. But I tell you what, the company that we kept was lovely, and it was it was organic. See. Real Big Fish took us under their wing. And if not for them, we wouldn't have been noticed. So yep. there, there's definitely, there was definitely some pluses in it because when, when those guys came around, we were playing someplace in fucking Poughkeepsie, New York. Porchester. 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 Right? And we was opening. We and, opened, and they saw me, right? We opened up the show for and them. ran up to the stage. We opened up the yep. show for them. And at the fuck, after the show was over, Randy, who wasn't even our manager at the time, he comes to me, yo, the band wants to take you on tour after they finish the Warp Tour. Um, and he, I was like, okay. He said, you got a CD? I said, no, but we will by then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. fucking did. Yeah. And then that guy, the guy down in um, Long Beach, New Jersey. Yeah, John Baptista at the catch. You know, it was an okay club. It was like, basically, I don't know. Um, it, it wasn't the punk rock scene. It was out in vacation It was land. like dance fucking studio and techno and all of that shit. But the thing, but the dude loved yeah, us, I, I right? Had, and he gave us. Let me, let me tell you a little inside scoop on him. I used to play there all the time with the toasters. Uh. That was my first. That was my first experience and and meeting John. So I knew him. That's why I went back there. You remember when we went there in the fucking dead of the winter and we played for his for his um staff and there was nobody in the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, so that was yeah, that was, that was, that was, that was at the Marlin. At the Marlin. The Marlin, yeah. right? So. <laughs> was in the dead of the fucking winter like playing a restaurant <laughs> man yeah and nobody was there but the staff yeah. nobody was there but the staff and he still paid us like three yeah, he paid us money and shit wow. so when it came time when it came time to doing our record we was in the middle of doing our record and he goes so why are you when you guys get to record i said well, we're in the middle of it now but we don't have any money he said how much you need i said oh we need such and such and such he said i'll give it to you i'll give you a loan but you promise to pay me back and we fucking paid him back. Yeah, we did shows and, and you know, we, we would sell our merch. I want to say thank you, wherever you are, John, John Batista, and your wife, too. You guys. Now, hold on. This yeah. is dead of, dead of winter. Only dead. the employees. Only. Did you just, did you, were you just at a holiday party? Did you <laughs> get booked for the holiday party? No. It wasn't, <laughs> it was like booking, it, it wasn't booked for the holiday party. He just said, <laughs> he said, oh, so I said, yes. I, I think I called him. I, he said, "What are you up to?" I said, "I got another band." He said, "Oh, I want to hear it." So I brought the band out there. We went out there and fucking, he paid us. And like there was nobody there, he paid us. And then he said, "Okay, you can go, you can go back. You can play the catch, which is his his club, which is his venue. The Marlin was just a restaurant. We had yeah. a stage and an assistant. Right. Yeah, it's like an audition." So you've got this record coming out now on streaming for the first time in decades. And Pilfer's original lineup is back together. What is what's happening with that? <laughs> uh well, I mean, 
we're just in the very beginning stages of of you know trying to pull it together okay. i'm up here in connecticut nick is in boston james so, is in California. so are you saying you guys Ooh, haven't Indiana. even all been in the same room yet well we have not been in the same room. <laughs> here here's right. the here's the deal um partly is that well first off regarding chihuahua lang that was wasn't available for years like on for streaming and not not that there's like any you know you, you can access the the album on youtube and yeah. some people still have it but you know it, it would be nice if people could stream it too you know and like you know just get a wider audience of you know than people that have wanted it all this time so it's like cool. a, I, it's underrated to be able to have songs that you can add to a playlist i think yeah and you know that so i had been asking cooley and you know he'd been trying for years to try to get the record from uh you know whoever took it over whoever took over the catalog of mojo and with no reply you know they could care less you know it's just shelled and finally like you know last month he was like we got you know i finally picked up the ball and it's now like owned by sony they somehow have it and they're going to release it january 5th so that was pretty exciting you know it's like yeah. what all right awesome and <laughs> once you record something for a record label they own it for the rest of yeah. your life <laughs> and, and i know a lot of people if mm -hmm. we can you know put out vinyl but that's to be determined you know they still own the masters and they you know we that would be us co convincing them you know to do it out of the graciousness of their heart so exactly. cool that or you know we'll see what comes if you know in january but um at well, least I, I believe that uh my friend matt flood who runs connecticut based asbestos yeah, records flood. uh was trying hard to get the right right to get this pressed uh yep. and he did end up doing a repress of the original of the first record uh, yeah, and but I know that because, like, I was when he was announcing when he was doing that, uh, like repress series like a decade ago now, I guess it was. Uh, yep. I was like, God, you really like okay, one of the ones you got to get is Heads Are Gonna Roll by Hippos, and he eventually did, which is incredible. Yeah. Uh, yep. and I'm like, the other one is like, you got to get Chowala Lang, and he's like, I fucking can't, <laughs> yeah. 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 So you know, we'll see. Are... Like, let's cross our fingers, and you know, we'll we'll keep working the angle. But um, I mean, we had some of uh, everyone except Vinny. With all due, due respect, we got together in last April to record, and there was some lines were honestly crossed. I think in terms of communication, as so happens in this band, every now and then, you know, we're, <laughs> we're all in different worlds and really kind of like in our own we're really in our own bubbles that's the ultimate thing i mean you're you you guys haven't been in a band together in a while it's not it's completely mm -hmm. understandable that you're not really on the same wavelength anymore <laughs> it, it, here's the funny thing matt no cooley has two friends named Vinny, and he was texting the wrong Vinny. yeah he, he kept, <laughs> no really i mean this is what he because like the new year rolls around and i haven't heard from cooley and i'm like well, I guess I guess I'm out now. I guess I'm I'm done. I guess he's found a replacement for good. And then finally he 
gets through to me and I said, you've been texting the wrong number. I've been waiting for you to text me. And I said, I think I even texted him at one point. He didn't respond. But anyway, so um, I have I have some time coming where I don't have to go to my job for like two weeks because we're on uh, winter break. So Cooley and I are going to try to get together a couple of times in New York, chuck around some ideas because... Like in the beginning, I would come up with some guitar riffs and then I would hand them over to Nick and he would, you know, craft songs out of them. And then, you know, we'd get together with Cooley and we put the vocals on top. I mean, that's the original way we really came up with a lot of songs, um, you know, uh, in the beginning. And I think that's the way we should probably, you know, forge ahead. Just me and Cooley get together, work out some tunes. We I mean, I, I, I concur that you know at this point like especially definitely at the beginning but it was kind of like w there was five ways to skin a cat with the band like yeah i would bring you know like a song or a song idea to cooley or you'd bring a you'd bring a finished song a lot of times like yeah, you know um like what's new you know that's that was totally yeah. finished yeah, but then there would be true. tunes like you know yakuza where it's like oh we need you know bridge or like um that intro yeah. part or so yeah, I, I think it's part. just the magic of us just kind of playing off of each other. Um, we did, James and I and Anna got together with, with Cooley and we recorded five tunes. And I think a couple of them are keepers that Vin, Vin can get on there and lend his beautiful pipes and horn playing yep. and lyrics. And we could, you know, it's, it's a start. I mean, we did do the record that I'm really proud of, which is From Far, but that was at a time when Vinny was busy with, you know, having very young children and like yeah. trying to pay his mortgage and he didn't have time to like do a record and he wasn't really focused on the band. So yeah. for some reason we we had already been recording some tunes and and we did the song um Easy Man, which actually is Chris Rhodes. Yep. <laughs> That's the only person that could really fill uh Vinny's shoes for a song. But um it's kind of bums me out that it's not full fledged Pilfer's album because it can't be without Vinny. Right. Right. But, but at the same time, it's a, it was a cool, cool experience to be really creative. And I think, you know, coming from that, there's a lot of, I mean, I have confidence that we're, however it gets done, we're going to have a, a really compelling, interesting record um, at some point. Oh <laughs> yeah. And look, as an as a very old Pilfers fan, like I've got a I've got a poster that I walk past in my living room every day that Nick you signed in 1999, when <laughs> when Pilfers uh, played with Catch 22 and the Suicide Machines at the State Theater oh, wow. in Detroit. Oh my uh, God, I remember that show. That's that was that was my very first. That was the first time I heard Pilfers of any. Like, didn't hear mm -hmm. a record of any sort. Uh, blew my mind that was an, and, that was and an i got to meet show. i got to meet some people and it was it meant so i was a teenage i was like 15 yeah. <laughs> and it meant the world to me and I, i've never stopped loving pilfers so it, awesome. it's, well, so, so to have you guys it. here has been great oh man wonderful. thank you so much for spending time and recounting uh everything and congratulations on the record chihuahua lang hit and streaming and yeah good chatting with everybody yeah and and this is the um the what was it the horn pub podcast horn, horn pod it's called horn, horn pod <laughs> horn, <laughs> horn horn pod. 
make your own jokes. It's 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 all yeah. So big up, um, you know. Thanks for having us and uh, chit chatting and rousing old memories out of our brains. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right then. Cheers. Well, yeah. Bye, have peace. a lovely night. Peace. And that's that. Uh, thank you again to our guests, Nick, Cooley, and Vinny. Uh, go stream that record, Chawala Lang. Go buy it if you still can. Um, but we're, we're celebrating the streaming. Stream it if, if, if you're into it. And Happy New Year. We look forward to more conversations, more ska scholarship in 2024. Bye.